Let's, uh, <laughs> all right, let's get going on the Parsha, the Valdek. This week's Parsha is Parshas Yisro. And we begin with the very first Pasuk, chapter 18, verse 1, Parak Yerches, Pasuk Aleph. Says the Pasuk, Vayishma Yisro. And Yisro heard, and the Pasuk doesn't tell us what he heard. But, so let's keep going. Yisro heard something. C- who was Yisro? <clears throat> he was the Kohen Midian. He was the priest of the Avodazaras in Midian. So he was a pagan priest. That's who Yisro was. It's a nice, uh, nice Yichus. So Yisro heard. And who's Yisro? A pagan priest. You know who else he is? Chosein Moshe. He's Moshe's father-in-law. How's that? All right. So, you know, sometimes, as my mother would say, my mother's a colonel of Racha, she would quip um, when she would come to shul. She would say that when she first got married, my mother's maiden name is Per, P-E-R-R, and there's a lot of Tenler rabbis. So she would say when she first got married, she was Rabbi Tenler's daughter-in-law. And then... A few years later, she became Rabbi Tendler's wife. And then a little bit later, she realized that she's Rabbi Tendler's father, a uh, mother. And then she became Rabbi Tendler's grandmother. It's like as she moved through life, she's like, I've never, nobody knows me. They're like, oh, you're related to this person, to that person, right? Our, our yichus changes d- depending where we are. You know, where we are, you know, what city you're in, you know, who, who you're connected with, the Jewish geography. It's very interesting that Yisro's Yichus is, Yisro word, what's his Yichus? First of all, he's a priest of Avodah That's how we're introducing him first. And then, you know what else he is? He's Moshe Rabbeinu's father-in-law. You'd think like we'd push the pagan priest information under the rug, not to be mentioned. Let's just say Yisro's Moshe's father-in-law. It's a good Yichus, you know. Not mention it. All right, let's keep going because there's an important message in that. What did Yisro hear? Ace Kol Asher Asa, all that happened, Elohim, that Hashem did, Moshe Uli Yisro Elamo, on behalf of Moshe, his son-in-law, and the Jewish nation, Ki Hotzi Hashem Es Yisrael Mi Mitzrayim, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, took Klal Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. Okay, let's take apart this Pasuk um, piece by piece. Vayishma Yisrael. Yisrael heard. Okay, it doesn't tell us what he heard. We know that he heard about Klal Yisrael leaving Mitzrayim, but it doesn't let us know specifically. What did Yisrael hear specifically that's turning him on to show up and to come to Klal Yisrael? So the very first Rashi in our parsha says, what did he hear? Mashemua shama ubo. What did he hear that enticed him to come? Rashi says, Krias Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea, Umilchemes Amalek, and the battle against Amalek. Okay, now the Gemara in Zavachim actually tells us a third opinion that he heard about the giving of the Torah. There's a discussion at what point he actually showed up before Matan Torah, after Matan Torah. Uh, be it as it may, there's a three way dispute in the Gemara. What was the, call it the, the, the straw that built the camel's back? The straw that 
brought Yisro to show up. Either he heard about the giving of the Torah, that's one opinion. Another opinion is he heard about the battle against Amalek. And the third opinion is he heard about the splitting of the Yamsuf. I want to focus in on the opinion, which Rashi does not list, which is that Yisro um, heard about the giving of the Torah, because this is going to really bring about a proper definition for what Vayishma means, what the word Shema means, which is so crucial for us as Jews who say Shema daily. Right? We say Shema Yisrael. What does it mean, hear Yisrael? What do we like? What do these words mean? It's you know, and if you look inside the art scroll sitter, you know, it, uh, I don't have one in front of me now, but I'm assuming it says, "Focus intent something of the sort of focus intently on accepting God's sovereignty." Okay, how does Shema Yisrael listen Yisrael? What does that like? You know, listen Yisrael. What does that have to do with with you know being intent on accepting the sovereignty of Hashem? So let's get into this. There's a fascinating Gemara that tells us the story of what happened at the time that Hashem gave the Torah to the other nations. Not not that He gave it to the other nations, but what happened to the other nations at the time that Hashem gave us the Torah. Because in our Torah, right, we know there's a Medrash, Hashem offered it to the other nations, they said no, they said no, thank you, and gave it to Klaus. And the Torah tells us what happened at the time of Matan Torah. What happened in the rest of the world? What was taking place with them? So, the Gemara tells us that at the time the Torah was given, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not even allow there to be a sound around the entire globe. Birds were not able to chirp. Waves were not even able to move. There weren't able to be any wave, like stopped. Everything stopped. There was no noise. You couldn't talk. And the only thing that was heard was Hashem's voice emanating from Har Sinai, giving the Ten Commandments to Klal Yisrael. The entire world heard this. Says the Gemara, what did they do? So the Gemara tells us that the leaders of all the nations, the kings of the nations, went running to Bilam because Bilam was their prophet. So they went running to Bilam. They said, Bilam, what's happening? Perhaps Hashem is destroying the world. What are these loud noises? The shofar, the lightning, the thunder. What's happening? Maybe Hashem's destroying the world. Bilam says, guys, chill. Hashem's not destroying the world. I wonder if he used the word chill. But, right? Hashem's not destroying the world. Why? He already promised that from the... He already promised that He's never going to destroy the world with a flood. They said, oh, maybe Hashem's going to destroy the world a different way, like through fire or whatever. Bilam says, everybody relax. Nothing's happening. Let me tell you what this noise is from and what just happened. You know, there's a special, um, there's a special uh, gift. There's a special entity <clears throat> that Hashem created 974 generations prior to the world even being created, whatever that means, however long a generation is. And it's called the Torah. It's referring to the Torah. I forgot to record this on the Zoom. I'm sorry for uh, Rebetzin uh, Kohn. So I'm going to do this. Here you go. Okay. So the, right? So it's called the Torah. And Hashem's given it to His people. And that's all the noise that you're hearing. That's how Bilam explains to the kings of the world what's happening. So the, all the kings of the world said, Oh! 
Baruch Hashem, that's great. And they turned around and they went home. That's what happened. Huh? Your, your voice is My voice is slurred? There was one leader in the world that did not run to Bilaam. He ran to Moshe Rabbeinu. And who was that? Yisro. That was Yisro. That's what it means. Yisro heard. The Mepharshim ask, Yisro heard? The whole world knew what was going on. The answer is, Shemia, to hear, doesn't just mean to know what's happening. Shemia means to do something about it, to make something, create something constructive from that situation, which actually we're going to see is Yisro's incredible mida of taking information and building with it, doing something with it, not just not just listening with the ear, but actually doing something about it. I want to share with you one of my favorite divrei Torah, one of my favorite divrei Torah in all the chumash. Okay, and it doesn't mean it's the it doesn't mean it for me personally. It's something that that could be within my life or within you know just within the things that I deal with uh, constantly. It's something I need to. I need to remind myself of, right? Yes, sweetheart. And and here it is. Listen to this. So, um, Rashi tells us in the in the second Rashi, the very second Rashi tells us that Yisro had seven names. One of his names was Yeser. Okay, I'll tell you the seven names. Rashi listen for us. Rashi says Yisro had other names. Reuel, his name one. Yeser, Yisro, Chovav, Chever, Keni, Putiel. These were all, these were seven names of Yisro, and Rashi goes through why he was called these seven names. Each name really represents a characteristic of Yisro. Now, this is such a beautiful concept. I shared this at the, the Shul board meeting the other evening, and that is like this The name Yeser, which means extra, says Rashi, why is he named Yeser? Because um, there's an extra parsha, there's like an additional parsha in the Torah listed with his name. What's the parsha? You'd think the parsha is Yisro, right? Parsha is Yisro listed with his name. Beautiful. Says Rashi, you know what extra parsha has his name? Chapter 18, verse 21. 20 verses into this parsha, it says, Yisro says to Moshe, now I'll tell you who to appoint as proper judges. That's the extra parsha in the Torah. Now, if you're confused, that's great. Let me explain what just happened. Let me explain what just happened. Rashi tells us, Yisro has this name, Yeser, extra, because there's a parsha in the Torah with him in it. And what's the parsha in the Torah? Chapter 18, verse 21 till the end. The question is, the parsha already started in chapter 18, verse 1, not verse 21. So why are we naming him Yasser because of an extra parsha and then giving and then listing a verse that's the 21st verse of the parsha? List, it's just say, hey, there's an extra parsha. You know what the parsha is called? Yisro. 
and by Yishma Yisro, Yisro heard about what happened, then he came. Why are you starting from the 21st verse? Listen to this precious, precious vart from Rav Moshe Sternbach, Shlita. He says like this, the first 20 verses of our parsha is Yisro showing up to a new nation, seeing his son-in-law, seeing how his son-in-law judged, criticizing him, and telling him, you can't do this. It's not going to work. And then comes verse 21. And Yisro says to his son-in-law, so now I'm going to tell you what to do. Go choose proper people, God-fearing people, honest people, upstanding people. And this is the system of judgment that you're going to, that you're going to set up. Interestingly, there are over 78, uh, uh, 76,000, I believe, a little, uh, a little over 78,600. I think it ends up being 78,601 judges in Klaishol. He has a whole system set up. Judges over every 10 people, every 50, every 100, every 1,000. And he gives a whole calculation. That starts in verse 21. Says of Moshe Sternbuch, the following. You don't name a Parsha after a person who shows up to a new group of people and starts criticizing them. There's nothing special about that. Anybody can do that. The biggest fool can show up and start criticizing everything that's going on. Doesn't show anything smart about the person. But what happens in Pasuk HaFalif, Yisro shows... I'm not here to criticize. I'm not here to find fault. I'm not here to show problems. I'm here to solve the problem. See, here's my idea, Moshe. Here's what you got to do. Go ask Hashem if this is a good idea. Here's the system I believe works. Says Rashi, the Parsha named after Yisro is not when we're introduced to Yisro. That's not impressive. The Parsha named after Yisro is when he starts to help. Not when he's just sitting around the Shabbos table criticizing what's going on in the community, the school, the shul, the kail, the this, the that, and you find that they could do this, they could do that. Big deal. Anybody can do that. But to solve the issue and to enhance a nation, to make it, a more, to make it more robust, to come up with results, Ah! Yisro, Shalom Aleichem, how you doing? So glad to hear from you. And that starts in Pasuk Chafalaf. It's such, a, such an important, important concept. And this goes back to Yisro's really characteristic of the very first word. Vayishma. What does Shema mean? When we say Shema Yisro, what does it mean? Yisro saw a situation. He was presented with something. And he did something constructive with it. He said, wow, there's a Torah that's given. What am I gonna, how am I going to build on this? Am I just going to sit here and be like, oh, like every other king? Oh, Baruch Hashem, it's so nice that the Jewish people have a Torah. Let me go back to eat lunch. He says, no, that's not, that's not hearing. Hearing is when you build with it. Revel Yalapian, Zeichir Tzadik B'Kodesh Levracha, passed away just a few decades ago, Mashkiach in, in England, in Gateshead. So the, the way he explained this Pasuk, is he says you have you have uh, somebody walking in middle of downtown London in middle of traffic. Guy just stops in the middle of the street. So traffic stops. That's it. Nobody can move. Because one Meshugana decides he's going to stay in the middle of the street. 
So all the cars start honking. The guy's standing there. Okay. A minute later, the cars are still honking. And the fellow standing in the middle of the street turns around and he screams at the cars, Why are you honking at me? I heard you already. What's the response? No, you didn't. If you heard us, you would be on the sidewalk. You would have done something about it. You obviously did not hear us. And therefore, we need a honk again. Got to do it again. Maybe you'll get the message now. By Yishma Yisro is letting us know, Shemia does not mean to comprehend. Shemia means to comprehend with action. What am I going to build with it now? What constructive idea am I going to do with this? And therefore, we say Shema Yisrael. Listen, Yisrael, we are saying to ourselves and to others as part of the nation, we need to do something about this information that Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, that Hashem is our God, Hashem is one. What are we going to do about it? Not just to comprehend it, but how are we going to present a, a more robust and better version of ourselves on a daily basis? Yes, Rebetzin Cohen, go ahead. What you're pointing out is is that the the whole mida, the whole trait of not following through, is really a mida of people who aren't following in, you know, or or trying to build their relationship constantly with the rebbeinu. And the answer is, the way you're saying it is pretty intense, but to a sense, yeah. To a sense, yeah. This is the mistake that we as human beings make when we take information and we naturally have the way that you know are the way that we decide we're going to do with it as opposed to you know um you know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants us to do with it and we all know that life is um you know life is too precious and life is not long enough to, you know to, to give ourselves the time to just sit back and say you know what I'll do this you know, uh, later. We don't know. We don't, you know, uh, we don't know. Yeah, but that's a um, a very valid point. Okay, so, Vayishma Yisro. Yisro heard and did something. He created, and this is his beautiful Mida, where he shows up, and like we pointed out from Rashi now, telling us later in the Parsha, Yisro's beautiful trait is that he, he took in information and then used it constructively. He built with it. Who was Yisro? As we pointed out, Kohen Midian. It's so important to know that you can be anywhere. Why is it telling us he's a Kohen Midian? Why do you got to tell me, uh, you know, before he converted to Judaism, that he was, and the Medrash tells us, he, he, he tried out hundreds of religions, not only as a way of trial. In some of those religions, he became the Big Kahuna. He, got, he, he achieved very high positions. But it doesn't make a difference. You know why? Because he was a truth seeker. See, he kept seeking and he kept seeking. And this realization that he was a Kohen Midyan is important for us to know because you can be a Kohen Midyan. 
You could be a priest of idol worship, forbidden, even if it's against the seven Noahide laws, and still be the Chosein Moshe, still be the father-in-law of Moshe, because he's a truth seeker. And that's really all it takes. We have to seek out the MS, seek out the truth. There's a quote from the Hilig Chafetz Chaim, which we've quoted many, many times. It's worthwhile repeating. It needs to be understood. It's deep. It bothers some people. But if the Chafetz Chaim says it, we gotta, that, that means we need to figure out how this works. Says the Chafetz Chaim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does not want you to be religious. HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants you to be smart. That's his statement. There's no mitzvah to be orthodox. It doesn't say that in the Torah. It doesn't say that you won't find the word in the Torah. But we're ob- the Torah tells us you got to be smart. There's a God in the world. There's a Torah in the world. Now go do something with it. Go do something to the best of your ability. You need to be smart. That's why Hashem put us in this world. Make good choices. That's the only thing that's in our control. Is to take information that we're being sent and do and be smart with it. Make the right choices with it. And that's what Yisro is doing here. He was a truth seeker. There were Life took him on various paths till he ultimately came over to Klal Yisrael. But he was a Kohen Midyan. But since he was Mavakish, he yearned for the truth, he ended up in the right place. He ended up as the Chosein Moshe. He even had Moshe Benu as the son-in-law. And he heard all of, And what exactly did he hear? All that Klal Yisrael did to, uh, to um, all that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for Klal Yisrael as he took us out of Mitzrayim. Okay. Let's keep going into uh, the next Pasuk. Verse 2. This is a fascinating trivia question. Who, and this is, I, I don't know the deep message in this. Who, as part of the Jewish people, did not stand at the foot of Sinai? According to the opinion that Yisro showed up, not after the splitting of the sea, but after the Torah was given, guess what? Moshe Rabbeinu's own wife and two children were not in attendance. Because Yisro was only showing up with them after the Torah was given. I'm a little, I shouldn't say a little, I'm very struck by this. I don't know what the message is. I've seen a couple places people talk about it, but it's food for thought. Moshe comes and he comes back to Egypt. He performs all the miracles, but as we know from the Torah, he did not take his wife and two children with him. Because after he got married and had the children, Hashem instructs him to go back to Egypt to lead the Jewish people out. And Yisro, his father-in-law, says, listen, the Jewish people are enslaved in Egypt. Why would you bring your wife and kids there now? Leave them here with me. I'll take care of them. And at the right time, you'll, you'll reconnect. And that's what, that's what happened. So Zipporah, Moshe's wife, and the two sons remained in Midian throughout this entire time, they did not even experience Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, according to all opinions. At the time that Moshe led the people out, he did not have his family with him. I'm very struck by this. And there's a dispute when they showed up. They, they showed up whenever Yisro showed up. So either it was after the splitting of the sea, or after the battle against Amalek, or after Matan Torah. Those are the three opinions. But it's very interesting, uh, not only a trivia, I think there, 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 there's got to be a, a fascinating um, message in that. I don't have any, any clarity in it, in it yet. 
hopefully by next year's Lunch and Learn on the Parsha, uh, we'll have come across in our learning uh, something on this. So Yisro is showing up with Moshe's family. And the Torah lets us know the names of his sons. One was Gershom. He wanted to remind himself that he doesn't belong there. The same way, and he doesn't, you know, the same way that we, as Jewish people, always need to remember that we don't belong, as much as we don't belong in Gullus. We don't belong in exile. As much appreciation that we have and continue to have and always have had to this incredible what we what we call in Hebrew a Medina Shel Chesed a country of kindness, the United States of America, never been a country in the history of the world. That, that I'm, you know, when you look back at history, that's been so kind so far to the Jewish people. It's, it's beyond the, the Hakara Satov, the gratitude that we need to have to live in such an era and at such a time as, uh, as you know, as, as proud, uh, as proud Yidden, as proud Yidden, as proud Jews here in America, but there's many. But we we have to remember this. Ultimately, is not the place where we want to be. Ultimately, we want to have the coming of Mashiach. We want to have the place where we can have the highest level relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu at uh, you know at, at the right time. So Moshe Rabbeinu is naming his son Gershom. That I am a Ger. I'm not a native here. The word right. Uh, 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 this is not a place where I belong, and that's a message we're supposed to take for ourselves as well. Even when times are good, right? That's why we break a glass under the chuppah. A couple gets married, and right after the marriage, what does the groom do? Breaks a glass. Why does he break a glass? So the joke, the joke is to teach him that's the last time he's ever putting his foot down. That's the joke. Why does the chassan break the glass at the chuppah? To teach him, this is the last time you put your foot down. After this, you don't make any decisions anymore. That's it. All right, that's the joke. But the serious reason why we break the glass is to remind ourselves of the destruction. At the time of the greatest joy, we always need to remember there's a higher level joy that that we just simply don't have until the Mashiach comes. And the other name was Eliezer that um, Maishra Rabbeinu gives his, gives his second child. The word Eliezer means Hashem helped me. And Maisha is, is uh, remembering that Hashem helped him back in Egypt and even now when he, when he protected him. Okay, so they're showing up. Yisro and the family shows up to, uh, shows up to Moshe Rabbeinu. I want to end off with one very, very important um, Musar idea. Moshe is told that his father-in-law and his family is there. Moshe goes out to greet him, which, by the way, in halacha, shochan aruch, to respect one's parents, extends and applies even to one's in-laws. When a person shows proper kavod, proper respect to a mother-in-law or a father-in-law, that is the same mitzvah, according to the shochan aruch, as kibud And Moshe tells him not only the things that Yisro has heard already about Hashem's miracles, but even about the further miracles that Hashem did. Chapter 18, verse 9, the very first word, is such an important, important message. And that is, Vayichad Yisro. Yisro, after hearing all this information about what happened to the Egyptians, became Vayichad. Okay, what does Vayichad mean? I don't have an art scroll with me right now. Um, 
I'm assuming Art Scroll translates it that Yisro was joyful or Yisro was happy. I don't know if anybody uh, has a chumash has a with them, but if you have a chumash with English, if you could let me know. Okay? Because that's the, Rashi says, that's the basic interpretation of what Vayichad means. Rashi gives a second message into this fascinating word, which is, listen, if, if it just wants to tell me that, that Yisro was happy, why doesn't it just use the word Vayismach? Simcha. That is the usual word. It's a unique word of joy to say Vayichad. Just use the proper word. Says Rashi, I'll give you another reason. Let me, let me tell you what the word Vayichad hints to. Vayichad means his basar, his flesh became chidudin, chidudin, became thorny. What does that mean? He got goosebumps. When Yisro heard this information, he got goosebumps. His hair started to stand up on his skin. Why? Says Rashi, I'll tell you why. Because as much as he appreciated Hashem's miracles, remember, Yisro spent decades in Egypt. He used to be one of Paro's top advisors. Until Paro enslaved the Jews, Yisro knew that as an advisor, Paro's not going to listen. He wanted no part of this. He ran away. Yisro left Egypt because of the story of the Jews being enslaved. But says Rashi, he heard what happened to the Mitzrim, to the Egyptians. He got goosebumps. You know why? It bothered him. He was in shock. Says Rashi, This is, what, this is the expression that people use. Giyura. When a person is a transplanted from one place to another, even in ten generations later, do not put down their original place in their face in front of them. If a person's, I don't know, I'm not originally from St. Louis, okay? But a lot of St. Louisans are proud St. Louisans. Rightfully so, if we could say. Somebody's been in St. Louis their whole life. Let's say the first hundred years. For a hundred years they live in St. Louis. Then they decide they're retiring to Florida. Or they're retiring to Israel. All right. Now, what's going to happen? They're retiring to Florida, retiring to Israel. They get to Florida, they get to Israel. They start a conversation with somebody about St. Louis. And the person says, oh, St. Louis, what's there? It's a flyover state. There's nothing to show me. Yeah, it's the gateway to the West. You're on your way to L.A. Yeah, that's it. What's California Dreamer, whatever. Like we said at the beginning of this year. What's St. Louis? The St. Louis, what do you mean? How can you disrespect St. Louis like that? It's hurtful. It's hurtful. The, the yeshiva story that they say over, this is a, 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 in the yeshiva world. If you're in, if you're, uh, by the time you finish high school, if you haven't heard this story, your yeshiva hasn't done a good job. All right, this is a story that every yeshiva guy heard, hears. Here's the story. Rav Chaim Pinchas Scheinberg, Zecher Tzadik V'Kadosh Levrachi, just passed away a few years ago. So he was, can I know her, over 100 years old. And when he was about in his 90s, and he was brought on a fundraising trip uh, to New York from Eretz Yisrael. Uh, he had a very hard time walking. So he's being wheeled through 
uh, JFK, Kennedy Airport in New York. And all of a sudden he gives a krechts. He gives a sigh. And they say, Rashiva, what's the problem? He says, Oi, that newsstand, front, front, uh, you know, the, the, the front headline on the newspaper, I just saw the Red Sox beat the Yankees. Oh, I can't handle this. I can't handle this. That's the story with Riff Scheinberg, yeah? Because when he was younger, as a kid, living in New York, before he became one of the G'dayle Adar in Israel, he was a huge Yankees fan. He it, it still hurts him. He, he doesn't know a Yankee score for the last 80 years. But it still hurts him that the Red Sox beat the Yankees, right? What, what this shows us is, says Rashi, a very important sensitivity that we need to have for each other. It's very important. And that is, we have to allow people to move on in life. Yisro made a lot of changes in his life. A lot of developments, we'll call it. For the better. And he comes to Maisha Rabbeinu, and Maisha shares with him all of these incredible miracles that Hashem did. Why does the Torah have to tell me that as much as Yisro was glad, he was also a little hurt? Why does Torah tell me? What's the message? Everything has a message. What's the message? The Torah is giving us a sensitivity. And it's letting us know, sometimes you want to share happy information. You want to share, ooh, the greatness and the... eh." We also need to be very delicate and sensitive to the person who we're talking to and where they're coming from. Because it can be hurtful to... Our joy can also be hurtful to them. Even if they agree with us. And there's no reason... Yisro is on board. He's going to be the first Jewish convert. He's going to join the Klal Yisro. He's completely on board with this. But the Torah is letting me know it still hurt him to know what happened to the Mitzrayim. And therefore, says Rashi, when you meet somebody and they're from a place, whether it's a city, whether it's from a a place in life, something they've been through, realize that you need to keep that in mind when sharing information. Because even if you need to share it, it, it could be hurtful. Sometimes you need to share information, even though you don't. But just be aware. Be cognizant. Be aware that either it's going to be hurtful and if don't say it, or if you're going, or if you need to say it, do it in a way that's at limiting the hurt to the to the you know, to the most, you know, in, in the greatest way. But even Yisro was Vayichad. Even Yisro, who's coming to join Klal Yisrael, and he ran away from Mitzrayim, but he spent part of his life there. And even he, Vayichad, he got goosebumps. He was bothered. He was irked by, you know, as great as the miracles were, he was irked by the, you know, what happened to the Mitzrayim. Okay, we're going to hold it here for today. If there's any questions... Uh, any conversations, p- uh, please feel free. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you. So, so the stone chumash translates by yichad as as to be happy. Okay. So you know, but so the the, the question still stands. It should say by uh, yismach, right? That, that he was happy. So, so that that's what Rashi is pointing out. Why the Torah wants to use this unique expression so that we'll pick up on this message, even when you're going to be happy and bring somebody else to be happy about the situation. You still need a sensitivity.
Yeah, very good. Thank you. Anybody else have something? Thank you so much. Okay, so as soon uh, as soon as it did it work last week. Yes. Perfect. Okay, very good. All right. Have a wonderful Shabbos, everybody. Thank you.